Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program today. I am super excited and pumped to be on set again today. We are just beginning our fall filming uh, for this particular season, but I am so excited because we are here today in our new television studio that we have been working on almost all summer. And uh, it is going to be such a blessing to have this and just to be able to do a whole lot of things that are in our heart to do. So it may have a little bit of a different look to you, but we, we tried to say even with the same color codes and much of the same things. But we want to welcome you to the program today. If you've not watched us before, I'm Dr. Lynn Hiles, the host of That You Might Have Life, and we trust that if you are tuning in for the first time, that you will set your DVR to watch us at the same time every day. If you are sitting in a hotel room and you just came across this, then uh, you say, well, I don't know whether it's on my particular cable network, although some of the networks we are on are on uh, almost every cable and satellite outlet that there is. But if not, we have a YouTube channel. And you can watch uh, on demand on YouTube. And, uh, you know, that's really becoming a growing thing because people can go there and watch it on demand, and of course the uh, the uh, address is right there on the screen and will be throughout this program. And you can go back and watch anything that we've archived to date. Uh, there are multiples. I think uh, we have just celebrated, we're just really excited because I think we have just finished airing about 500 programs. That's nothing short of a miracle. We've been on almost nine years on national television and our partners who are faithful uh, have helped us to be able to do that. And we are so deeply grateful for your partnership and the gifts that come to help us stay on the air. As you, if you watch our program regularly, you will see that we spend very little time raising money or uh, trying to raise finances uh, because we believe God is faithful and that you as His people can hear from God as to what to give and to do. And I believe the Scripture teaches us to give honor where honor is due. Now that is really a term, honor where honor is due, is more than just shake somebody's hand and say, God bless you, I appreciate you. It's where we get our word honorarium from. It has to do with finances. And there are some places where I think that we need to be faithful stewards with our finances to sow into what is feeding us. And of course we believe in the local church, and if you're part of a local church you should be sowing into the ministry that's feeding you there. Uh, if you are moved to respond and help us, we deeply and greatly appreciate it as well. I would also say to you that we have a, uh, a podcast that's on our iTunes page, and uh, we also have an RSS feed where you can go back and listen to any of the program's audio that we've archived, uh, archived there. And the easiest way to do this is simply go to my website and to just jump in there. And if there's some links right upper right-hand corner that will take you directly to our YouTube page. It will take you to our podcast. It will take you to the RSS feed for Android. And uh, there's a whole host of products on there where you can get uh, resources. And I believe that it would be a blessing to you to be able to go there and do that. I also uh, would just uh, say that there are also apps. If you don't have 
the cable for it. If you have internet, listen, if you have internet and you can go on your Roku and download the apps for uh, the channels that we are on, and uh, there is an app for Impact Television Network and an app for GEB America, and we are on both of those networks. Let me get in the Word today because I want to begin sharing some things. Right before we went uh, on summer break to redo the television studio, uh, we did a series called The Seven I Am's of Jesus. The seven times that he said, I am. And the more I've dug around in this, this study, the more I have just saw things just jump out at me. So we're going to continue to study the book of John. But I, I was going to jump in chapter 2 to start out with, but I think what I'm going to do is go back to chapter 1. But before I do that, you know, John's gospel is probably one of the most unique because John writes probably, some scholars say it's one of the oldest books in the New Testament, that, that John wrote it much later. Uh, John writes in the latter part of the book of John, and he says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Once again, I just always reiterate this, but I think it's vastly important and that is the fact that when you read anything, you must put yourself in the audience that he was speaking to. Audience relevance is everything. John is writing, again, primarily to a Jewish audience, and we will see that in just a few moments, but he is really making a powerful contrast in most of what he does between the law of Moses and the New Covenant. I, I, you know, I was in the ministry for years before I realized that the New Covenant is not an addendum to the Old Covenant. It is a completely different covenant. It is the fact that the book of Hebrews says a new covenant. He said he makes the first one old and obsolete. So we are under a new covenant. Now I know we put a lot of signs on our churches that say we're new covenant, but what we do then is we mix these two covenants. So what John's Gospel is more about is about trumping the fact that Moses brought you this, but a greater than Moses is on the scene. Jesus was what that spoke of. Someone asked me one time, how do you get the revelation that you get from the Scriptures? Because sometimes you just unfold things that you think, man, wow, I didn't really realize it was there. And the key to it is, I think the key of the kingdom, the key of knowledge, the key of everything is Jesus. He is the key of the kingdom. And so the Scripture says in, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. So I could literally start in Genesis 1, which we're going to connect a few things with in just a moment, and show you that all through the Scripture, the Old Covenant was Jesus concealed in types and shadows. The New Covenant is Jesus revealed. For instance, you know, when they took out a lamb from among the sheep and the goats in, in Exodus, we know now because of what John would write here. See, here's the thing again. John is opening what these things in the Old Testament were really pointing towards. Because John the Baptist will come on the scene. Now John the Baptist and John, the Revela and John who wrote this are two different characters, but he writes about John the Baptist in the beginning of this, uh, this treatise. 
And so when he begins to write about him, he, he talks about John saying, right there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this is very important. John begins to show you that the old covenant was natural and the new covenant is dealing with spiritual. We're going to show a lot of patterns with that. And then the apostle Paul would say this as well, Howbeit that which is natural is first and then that which is spiritual. So in the Old Covenant we have a natural lamb, in the New Covenant we have a spiritual lamb. In the Old Covenant we have a natural tabernacle or temple, in the New Covenant it's a spiritual house. In the Old Covenant we have, uh, we, we, we have a natural feast of Israel, but in the New Covenant Jesus is the fulfillment of those feasts of Israel. And uh, so many, many patterns could be looked at as you look through that, but we're going to start seeing that as we begin to unpack this book of John. And so I, I believe this is going to be a very, very vital study again. Now let me just jump in here in John 1, 1, and like I said, there's a lot of things that we might review over this, but you know, I sometimes think, well, I've said that before, but then I realize that other people have not heard it, or there's some stuff you need to hear over and over and over again, because repetition helps us to remember. John's Gospel is different in that it's like this. It does not start with the genealogy of Jesus. It jumps right in Genesis 1 and takes you back before uh, it, 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 it actually, you know, the other Gospels, it's great that he gives the lineage of Christ and how Jesus came on the scene. It starts with the, the, their Gospels start with the manger and the birth of Christ and all of those things are vitally important. But John does something bigger. He draws a bigger picture and starts out by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Those first five verses are powerful. And the reason I say that is because John goes back even prior to the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and all of these other covenants, and he starts with the very beginning and shows you something that I think is important, and that is that in the beginning was the Word. It was the very, the very uh, logos of God. It was the very thought, the very purpose, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now if we went back to Genesis 1 verse 1, it uses almost this same verbiage when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the great deep. And the Spirit of God moved and hovered over the face of the great deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now when I look at this word, you know, once again, uh, this is so powerful to me. Because when I look at Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I look at John 1 and I compare that, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made with, by Him, and without Him was not anything that made that was made. Now see, I could go back to Genesis again and show you 
that in Genesis 1-1, in the first few words of that chapter, I already find Jesus. Now the Hebrew word there for beginning is the Hebrew word first fruit. Now we know that Christ is the first fruits of them who slept. He was the wave of sheath of first fruit. But in the first fruit, in the first fruit, God created the heavens and the earth. So the best of both worlds was in God's first fruit. The heavens and the earth were both located in Him. We could also see that as God, let, let me go back to, let me, let me go back here to Genesis 1. There's so much here. This is, uh, that it just, it hard to just kind of focus on just one or two points. But, but uh, in Genesis 1, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here. It says in verse number 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let there be waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Now let me just say this to you. As God begins to unfold His creation here, He said, Let there be a firmament, and let it divide the waters from the waters, from the above water, from the beneath water. And, 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 and what was, they said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the water. The word firmament here means an expansion or a hammering let there be a let there be a uh, uh, let there be an expansion in the midst of the waters and let it divide water from water now it, and it goes down to say and the, and the firmament and, and God divided the firmament which was under the, the firmament and God divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and it was so now watch this because this is so powerfully important Heaven and earth were located in the first fruit. Jesus Christ is the first fruit. He was the first fruit of the beginning of the creation of God. And uh, man, it's just so much here in my spirit, I'm about to explode. But when He divided the waters which were above the firmament from the waters which were beneath the firmament, Anybody with any kind of understanding knows that the water which is above the firmament hangs in what we now call the clouds. The water which was beneath the firmament is gathered into what we call rivers, seas, and oceans, so that you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that the firmament that divided the above water from the beneath water is where we are standing at right now. Now that's powerful. Because what happens is the next verse says, and God called the firmament. And I want you to note this, capital H-E-A-V-E, and He called the firmament where we're standing at right now. He called it heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. So the firmament that we live in, or the heaven that was in the earth, was in the midst of Heaven and earth were located in the same place in the beginning. They were located in Him. He is the beginning of all things. He is where heaven and earth connect. We could come a little further and we could talk about Adam made in the image of God. 
who when God made the first man, who was the prototype or the expression, or if you will, he was the first Adam. He was made in the likeness and in the image of God. And right in this first man, this first fruits of that visible creation, God created again the best of both worlds. Adam was both human and divine, just like Jesus is human and divine. I'll get into some of the parallels in just for a moment. When God leaned over the balconies of glory to create a man in His image, in His likeness, and after His likeness, He made him out of a lump of red clay. And as God began to form and shape His image into this man that He was creating, He might have done it like the hand of a great potter who took the red clay of earth and began to shape and form and mold. He might have done it like a snow angel. He might have just made a divine impression and said, that's the image of the invisible God. God was making in the visible realm everything that He was in the invisible realm so that Romans 1 tells you that everything that was created is plainly declaring God, so that if I didn't have a, a Bible today, I could pull a branch from a tree and say, this tree is talking about God. His name is called the man who is called the branch. If I didn't have a, a tree, I could take a river and say, God is a moving thing. He's like spirit. He flows like a river out of your belly. If, in other words, everything in creation was showing you something about God. The problem with idolatry is it takes one aspect of something that was like God and makes God into an image like the four-footed beast and creeping things, when God is the expression of all of that combined together. But what I'm simply after here this morning is that the, the heavens and the earth were located right where we're standing, but they were literally in the first fruit. And so Jesus was, first of all, the first fruit, and heaven and earth were located in Him. But when God breathed into Adam's nostrils, the breath of life, he interfaced the best of both worlds. The human and the divine came together. I could see angels lean over the balconies of glory. And while God is creating in the visible realm everything that He was in the invisible realm, I can see Michael look over Gabriel when God took the rump of, lump of red clay and say to him, but he's out of the earth. And because he's out of the earth, he will be earthy. But I could hear God say, but I'm not finished yet. And about that moment in time, God ascended into the deepest depths of spirit substance of the heaven of heavens and sucked His lungs full of a breath. And when He came down to Adam, He gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And when the Spirit of the divine God entered the lungs of the man of clay and earth, there was an interface. Heaven and earth came together in the person of a man. And in the person of that man, the best of both worlds were in this man. So that when you read the book of Genesis, it is hard to discern. Is this man in a garden, or is the garden in this man? Or is it both? See, here's the thing. I think it is both. I don't think we have to throw the baby away with the bathwater. With the bath water. So when you start looking at things, we find out in the New Testament, you are God's husbandry, you are God's garden, you are God's, you are God's uh, vineyard, if you will. And I won't go into a lot of detail about that, but, uh, but to say simply that, that Adam was the place that interfaced both heaven and earth, the visible 
and the invisible, the human and the divine. He was what brought both of those realms together and the merging of those two dimensions. Heaven was inside of this man so that he was the dispenser, if you will. He was a gate of heaven or a window of heaven that God could open up and bless in order to be a blessing and to take the dominion that was in the garden and fill the earth with it just like he would do with the last Adam, which was Jesus. Now what you see happen is that the first man, Adam, who was the prototype, loses that connection with the divine. And when he eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there is a disconnect. And it's what we call the fall. Now he didn't fall in a physical realm. He simply fell into a power called death. Because the first Adam, death reigned through the one. So Adam released more than, see physical death is the end result of this force that he released on the human family. But when you see this chapter open up in the book of John, Jesus came to reverse the effects of that force. Death came as a result of feeding from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which to me pictures in type and shadow the law of Moses. Now uh, much to say and I can't get it all in 30 minutes, so just stay tuned with us. But the, the reality of when he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, death began to reign through that disobedience of that one man. So death reigned from Adam to Moses, even on those who did not sin after the similitude of Adam. But the reality of it is death was a force that was released on the human family. But Romans chapter 5 says, because of the abundance of grace and the gift, the gift of righteousness, we reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So we reign in life not on our human effort, but by one Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus said, I came that you might have life, and if death reigned from Adam to Moses, then how, uh, the reality of it is Jesus came to reverse that and give us a life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He came to release a new force. Now let me just come on here because we're getting short of time here for a moment. If Adam was the first man of the prototype, and he walked with God, he talked with God, he walked with God in the Ruach, the cool of the day, the spirit of the day, he knew angels by their name. God so trusted him that he named the animals, and he was to the blue ball called earth what God was to the invisible realm called heaven. And in partnership and in union with God, there was an access to both the heavens and the earth that were located in the same place that was inside of this man. When Adam fell, there is a disconnect, and the heaven of heavens became the habitation of God, and Psalm says the earth was made for the sons of men. But I want to tell you that the writer of the book of Ephesians says, but in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, uh, uh, to redeem them that were under the law, but He also begins to tell you that, that, so that, that through this one he would bring together all things that in the dispensation, watch this, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He would gather together in one that which is in heaven and that which is in earth. So God was about to restore it in the last Adam. What Adam lost, 
Jesus was about to restore, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he would begin to gather together in one what was in heaven and what was in earth. The human and the divine were about to come back together. He did that on Calvary's cross when he reached up and grabbed hold of God with one hand and came, reached down and grabbed the human family with the other. And where the cross intersected, God reconnected that interface and heaven and earth began to come together and the kingdom of God was back alive on planet earth. I could see, I could see the morning Jesus was born or conceived in the womb of Mary. All of a sudden, one more time, the human and the divine was about to come together. He was very God and very man, and what was born in the womb of Mary was a human and divine. Heaven and earth had come together in the person of this one man Christ Jesus. He would reconnect the interface and the gate of heaven would be reopened, which was a man called Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we read this in John 1, in him was life and the life was the light of men. He came to give us a life that would be the light. He came to reconnect the best of both worlds so we don't, we could live in the heavens. You know, I, I like Ephesians 1 as well, where he says, you know, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses of sin. Let me just get this real quick because I'm, I'm probably quoting it wrong and uh, just uh, about to run out of time here, but I want to kind of catch some of this. Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father, verse 3, what, Ephesians 1, 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. The word places here is in italics, which means it's not in the original language. So it literally reads, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly Christ Jesus. So Christ is the heavenlies. In other words, when you've been born again, you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, and you became a citizen of heaven the moment you were in Christ. Now let me say this as well, this word hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. The word blessings here is the Greek word eulogia. It is our English word eulogy. And a eulogy is something you say over somebody that's dead. Now let me just say this to you. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And as a saint of God, you are already where a lot of folks are dying to be because you died with Him when you were crucified with Christ. He placed you right back in the heavenly Christ and restored us back to relationship with God, with dominion high as a bird can fly and as deep as a fish can swim. And He reconnected the interface in the human and the divine. And the beginning, the first fruit now is the first fruit of a new creation in Christ Jesus came the fulfillment of that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And so John brings you clear back around to the reconnection of this human and divine, and puts us right back in Christ, right back in a life that becomes a light, where we have fellowship if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, we're about to run out of time. Boy, I just felt like I just got started. Please tune in, because I'm going to unpack some stuff the next couple of weeks that I believe you're going to want to hear. Uh, again, uh, just thank you for your partnership. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, uh, you can do it very easily by going online. 
there will be a, a place where you could sign up for a regular debit if you want to do it monthly. If you want to give a one-time gift, you could call the number. That'll come up on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, uh, please leave a message and someone will return your call uh, to help you do that. So we do, or you could just write to the address on the screen and send a check or money order. God bless you. Thank you. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.